It has been a new week, hasn't it? I mean, this is starting to shift and change. And, um, and as spring eventually starts in the Northeast, uh, things are going to start to feel even perhaps lighter and better. And, um, and that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping for um, movement and growth in that way. But again, circumstances are circumstances and we don't, right? And sometimes circumstances are difficult. But uh, but we can respond, and that's our that's our uh, our power, our authority that we have over our own lives. Okay, so today that's not what I want to talk about Thessalonians, and I want to talk about this uh, idea of being either a pipeline or a vine, uh, a pipeline or a vine, and that's the title of today's talk: pipeline or vine, and look at is this passage in chapter three that um, Paul uh, speaks in a way that oftentimes uh, is weird because he seems both to be very serious at times and um, harsh or critical or judgmental. Um, And then at other times, it's totally soft and tender and oozing with, with grace and compassion and so this is the version we get of Paul, but I want to start in chapter two because that's where it actually begins. And keep in mind, chapters are not the way the Bible was written. So for those of you who are fairly new uh, to the Bible, fairly new to this stuff, uh, chapters were put in there so we can read and not feel like we're endlessly going from, you know, one, uh, one thought to the next. Um, so they're somewhat artificial. Um, in the original, it's just one letter. Paul just wrote one letter to the Thessalonians. Um, and so sometimes there's a thought that gets interrupted in a chapter. And that's what happens here from chapter two to chapter three. So let's begin in chapter two, verse 17. That's what we finished off last week with. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory. See, that's so beautiful and so touching. And Paul is being very, you know, um, not emotional, but, uh, but, but, but empathetic, compassionate feeling. He is aware in him that he has this longing, this intense longing to be with these people again. And, um, and that they are his joy, his glory, um, his crown. So as we can, so it's again, it's a continued thought here. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. And we sent Timothy, who is our brother and coworker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ, to encourage you in your faith. So Paul's saying, 
it was, you know, as much as I wanted to go there, we thought it best that I would stay and Timothy would go uh, in lieu of us so that no one would be unsettled by these trials for, you know, are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. And it turned out that that way, as you well know, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about you. I was afraid in some way that the tempter had tempted you and our labors might have been in faith, in vain. Let me pause here for a moment. Paul is sending Timothy on their faith. What do you think he's looking for? Just think about that. You don't have to answer that. But what do you think he, he, he's going to look for? What's going to be the telltale sign to Paul that their faith is still there? Well, this is what's interesting, because I think it's different than what we would expect. And so let's go on and read and see what Paul has to say about this. But Timothy has just now from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us. Just as we also long to see you. So, what is the evidence <laughs> of their faith, according to Paul? Paul says, but Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us, that you long to see us just as we long to see you. So let's read on, see if there's anything more. Seven verses and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you're standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy in the presence of God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. And he wraps it up. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy, our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Um, so again, what is the evidence to Paul of their faith? <laughs> this is one of these chapters that's really like, wow, I don't know that I've ever heard or preached a sermon that was that, that, that much, you know, on that topic of the evidence of your faith is the, lo the longing and the, the love, the exchange, the connection that you have for one another. Like for Paul, this is like, this is, this is like really key letters. He's going to describe faith in different ways. He's going to point to things that are more doctrinal, like the resurrection of Jesus Christ and so on. So this isn't like, this is the only criteria that Paul has, right? But I would say, criteria 
it isn't the it isn't the only thing like what does love look like right so now we're going to have to tease that out which paul does elsewhere to say hey look this is what it looks like but for paul this is really important because love for one another the, this affection for paul it's like i want to know if you're still in the faith and then when timothy comes back and says oh yeah they still feel so much love and affection for you paul says good that's what i wanted to know that like resolves it for me in a significant way that we're same path. Now, why? Let, let's explore this a little bit more. Why would that be? Why wouldn't Timothy have come back and said, oh yeah, they still believe that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected and is coming again. They still believe that Jesus Christ is God. They still believe that there's uh, through Jesus alone and, and, and so on and so forth. Like they could have come back. Paul could have come back or Timothy could have come back to Paul with a list that would have said, this is the criteria, but he doesn't. He comes back instead by saying, this is how they feel towards you. You see the drop from the head? Be like, oh yeah, we still agree with all these beliefs, right? But the heart is like, I'm, con- I'm feeling you and you're feeling me. We are still deeply connected to one another. And the rest of this stuff will start to work itself out. Starts with love, right? So faith and love is what Paul begins with. Now, Paul's favorite trilogy is, it, it's, it seems, uh, and he works through this in his letters, is faith, hope, and love. Those three are always together in Paul's writing. Faith and love, and sometimes faith and hope, but almost always those three are linked. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And so my belief is that faith, hope, and love are in symbiotic relationship with them, as I understand it from Scripture. Um, here's, a, here, here's an interesting thing. I started out by saying, it's interesting that Paul does not make <clears throat> um, their beliefs a primary test of them being path, but he makes their mutual love the test. Um, I've heard of well-known figures in the church uh, condemned um, and condemn others as heretics because they had different views on, on certain doctrines. I've seen church just because they no longer believed in the literal hell um, but I've seldom seen a public leader ousted because he or she was not living in loving relationship with their community. And that those who were closest to them often spoke about controlling, even verbally abusive. But oftentimes the pastor was deemed too valuable to the structure, to the system in order to, to lose. Yeah. Um, this is the interesting. I think our priorities sometimes have gotten lost in the evangelical world, where our priorities have been about, do you agree with me and do I agree with you on our particular views of doctrine, as opposed to, are we in good standing relationally? Is there mutual for one another? Am I so impacted by not being around you that I actually feel the longing in my soul? Or do I not care? I have to be honest with you. There have been times where after I'd left, I thought to myself, as a pastor in that church, I thought to myself, why do I not miss more people than I do? At other times, I found myself missing some of those people that I never even and feeling horrible about that. Like, I didn't even know them. And yet, I was paid. And yet, I served. I preached. I did all this kind of work. Now, with the teens that I pastored, I certainly did. I had a great relationship and a deep relationship. 
But I have to say there are times where I just felt like I'm, I'm paid for this job, but I really don't, I really don't know these people. And there's sort of this relationship where you can come and that doesn't really matter. And for Paul, if you read that part in Thessalonians, he, he is, his heart is breaking over not being around. He wants so bad that he's desperately trying every single way to be them. I wonder if our model of church needs to change a little bit, to reflect more of this dynamic of love and of, uh, of desire to be deep connection so that when we're not together, we actually miss it. I love Vine 39 because I think we've got a lot of that. I love the connections I watch between you folks. It inspires me to want more of that and to do more of that. Honestly, that's the truth. <laughs> I'm inspired by you. And I want more of that. And as I read Paul, as sometimes I feel like I could use a little bit more of whatever it is that he had in relationship with the people that he cared for and pastored. And, you know, he didn't have email, he didn't have Facebook, he didn't have Instagram, he didn't have anything, right? But he sends Paul, he sends Timothy, and he waits eagerly. And when he hears this, his heart is filled. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, as I said, is not just my head beliefs but it's my heart feeling empathizing, full of compassion, open enough to even be hurt. It means, here's what I think faith means, and this is why I think faith, hope, and love live in this symbiotic relationship. Faith to me doesn't mean that you believe what I believe or that we have doctrinal agreements on, on, on everything. That's not what faith means. That's not what faith means. It's not even biblical. <laughs> faith means that I believe that goodness will always triumph over evil, that light will always win over darkness. Even in my difficult and darkest days, faith is what pushes me to say there is still something worth working for and working towards. And in the worst times of 2020, where COVID was in, you know, was raging and is still there and, and politics were so divisive and there was so much ugliness that there's something that still rises within you. And I've seen it in you, seen it occasionally in me, but it still rises up and says, I still believe that goodness is greater than badness and evil and darkness and all of those things. I still believe that light will conquer darkness, that I still believe that there is fighting for worth getting up in the morning for worth putting my my one foot in front of the other if that's all that i can do it is still worth it that's what faith is my friends and when we call that out of each other instead of each other for not believing the right things and we call out you took a step of faith my brother because you got up my sister you put your foot in front of the other that's faith when we call those things out of each other we are encouraging and lifting each other up and saying i believe in the goodness more than in the darkness that exists in this world 
But when I can focus in on the darkness and call it out everywhere, what I am saying to the world is I believe more in darkness than I do in light. Think about that for a moment. It takes no genius to see the darkness. It takes nothing spiritual to see the darkness. It takes a hell of a lot of courage and faith to see light when all around you is dark. To begin moving towards that. That's faith. And that's what I see in you. That's what I see in you. That's what you see in each other. And that's what we've been doing, encouraging each other. And you're saying things like you can make it, you can do it. When you're doing that, you all are acting out of that heart that Paul is describing. It's a heart that is filled with faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Can I preach a little? (laughs) I am a little fired up this morning about this stuff. We have to see it, man. We got to see it, right? I love it. I'm getting some response. See it and believe it and then begin to move towards it. I love calling out faith. I love calling out hope. I love calling out love when I see it because it inspires it. What you pour water on grows. If you pour more water on that faith that you see, it'll grow. You pour more water on the hope and on the love you see, it will grow, right? We pour water every time we say, I see it. That's it right there. I remember people years ago, someone asked me, why don't you preach more on hell and sin? (laughs) Is that that what I want to grow? Is that, are you, are you suggesting that if I, that that's what we should, unity is more of faith and more of, I mean, more of uh, sin and more of, uh, you know, hell. No, no, I've never met a single person ever in my life. I've met non-church going people. I've never met a single person who thinks that they're perfect, who is completely blind to their, their failures. No, we're all blind to a significant amount of our, of our, yes. Okay. But what I found is that the more that we talk about the light, more that we expand that, the more that people relax and open up and dare to say more, a little more of my own soul and allow the darkness to come into the light. Because now there's grace. Now there's faith, hope, and love. So I feel safe enough to do so. What I fear people of the gospel is oftentimes more of an offensive personality as opposed to the offense of the gospel itself, right? That's just an insider for those of you who've been in the church for a long time. All right, so verbalize. Why does Paul verbalize his love and gush in this way in chapter three? Well, as I said, it encourages us, right? It's pouring water on, uh, on on, on what has been planted. Oh, pouring water on the seed. Um, And then the second thing is it fills us with love so we don't have to fill ourselves in other ways. I believe that all of us are looking for love. All of us are looking for 
Yeah, for love in whatever way it feels like it's communicated to us or the ways we receive it, we're all looking for it. And so sometimes we fill ourselves in various different ways that are not that great for us. But when we speak, it does something, does something for us. And so what I'd like to do as I wrap up here is ask you to uh, bring to mind um, someone, someone's character in this, either in this community right here or outside of the community. Bring to mind somebody whose character for you represents God. And, and, and make it personal, you know? Keep it away from it being like, yeah, this person's, uh, this person demonstrates the holiness of God. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> right? So the difference between the pipeline and the vine, let me say something. I completely skipped that part. So let me go back to that pipeline or vine. When we're a pipeline, what we're doing is we're conduits. All we are is just, it's like a pipe that's, that's uh, carrying whatever. Uh, or gas or whatever else. It's carrying something. It itself is not affected by what it's carrying. It just passes it on to its destination. And that's a sort of uh, metaphor that we sometimes use about us. We're conduits, right? I use it, I use it all the time, conduits of something. Um, but the better one is a vine because a vine is not just a conduit, it doesn't just pass nutrients on right so jesus says in his uh in in john chapter 15 i am the vine and you are the branches right there's this deep connection us in christ and the spirit of christ now as we pass on love we ourselves are changed by that love as we pass on goodness we ourselves are changed by that goodness we're not just conduits that pass on something to someone. It actually transforms us. Now, here's why that's important. If I were to ask you, what is the word of God? Many of you who have been raised in the church would answer the Bible. Am I right? Word association. The Bible, right? Uh, that has been actually so emphasized in the Protestant denomination to the degree that the Bible actually is viewed with, with like sacredness, like the, the, the actually the pages and everything else is viewed with sacredness. It's as if, and so people then will point to that and say, that's the word of God. And then those who speak from it view themselves as conduits through which they communicate this supposed truth to you who are supposed to be impacted by it. My friend, that is not at all the model of the New Testament, not even a little bit. First of all, in the New Testament, there weren't that many passages that were written down. Most of it was communicated through the teacher who himself or herself had been transformed by that word. They had become an example to the world around them to such a degree that they became the letter upon which other people, uh, the letter that other people would read. So there's 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourself 
our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And Paul uses this elsewhere, that we ourselves have become the written word of God. John speaks of Jesus as the word of God. You, my friends, and I have become the word of God and are becoming the word of God. Living word. The whole goal was the word becomes flesh, not the flesh becomes word. That's the trajectory. That's direction. It's embodied. It's transformed. I'm transformed. I become a witness, a living witness. And life is not a witness. Then I need to think about that. I need to become that, right? Because that's the way things are, trans, are, are communicated to the rest of the world. That's the way to the rest of the world. Right? If, I, if others want to see Christ and they want to see God, it's because I have done the work of letting the word of God transform me. I have become like the vine and the branch. And that's what we are. And that's what you are, Vine 39. You are becoming that living, written word of God that other people see and are inspired by. And so back to the participants want your involvement in is bring to mind somebody whose character for you embodies the word of God. Somebody whose character looks like Christ to you. Somebody whose character speaks of something you, you would love to have more of in your own life. Bring to mind somebody like that. Then what I like to do is push the envelope a bit because you know, that's what, that's what I do. Um, do is I'd like to actually share some of this in the chat. I'd like you to push you a little bit to bring it to somebody even within this community. And yeah, that means that there's risk in this. Someone may get lots this morning and someone else may not. That's the risk, right? That's the risk we have. But I'll take the reward over that because what I'm looking for here is I'm looking for mutual encouragement. And every last one of you in this room here is a representation of Christ. Everyone. I believe that. I've seen Christ in you. In something you've shared, your smile, your interactions with one another. It's and so what I'd like you to do is to do that. I, I want to do one in particular. I'm going to speak about this person to get us started. I know I'm going to embarrass this individual. I know this individual doesn't like the attention, but I also know this person likes to be liked. And that's my friend, Joe Pandoff. Uh, Joe seems to me, now this isn't ultimate truth about Joe. I'm sure uh, Doris would, could, could testify to that. Always eternally loving, but to me, Joe seems that way. Uh, Joe comes off all the time as, you know, gracious, kind, compassionate, tender, always looking to serve and encourage somebody through his 
stories. I've seen that over and over again for years, Joe. And you represent Christ to me in this way, because I don't always possess that kind of that level of, of, of heart that you show. That level of connection to people you want to have, the way that you serve people through your words and your stories, that you want to lift people up genuinely. And you seek to do so. I've caught myself at times wanting to be right and wanting to be one particular interaction and watching you choose a different path than the path of love. And that to me has been utterly inspiring and a symbol and an image of Christ. So thank you, Joe, for being an example of Christ to me. And you've blocked your uh, camera, I guess, because, uh, <laughs> uh, Joe, we love you and uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I love this. Thanks for the, the stuff in the chat here. Really good. Really good. Yeah, Mario, Kevin. Yeah. Deborah and Lee. Um, I love it. Yes. Liz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I could go on and on about a, a lot of you. I've seen Christ uh, represented through. You know, um, I'm going to say this about one of our board members, Eric. Uh, Eric, what I love about you, my friend, is that you have at times in ways that uh, as he walks away. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, Eric, I, I love that you have spoken the truth to me at times. And uh, in ways that uh, is, is done, uh, but truthfully, and always believing the best about me and calling me out to that. Um, and I, I've, I've uh, deeply appreciated that from you. And I've seen Christ in that, particularly that it's not always easy to both that kind of balance of here's some truth and here's some love. And here's a challenge without being direct and saying, hey, you need to do this. It was done with gentleness and with savvy, you know, savviness. Like, I know how to communicate this in a way that you can hear it. And that's lifted me up and that's called me to right action at times. And uh, I deeply, I deeply appreciate that, Eric. So thank you. More and more. Yes. Mm. We should probably save this this chat um, so that that way you folks can can get it because there's affirmations here. See if you can, can just continue. I don't want to end this and 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 this is a good flow. This is this is beautiful. Just keep reading and keep writing this stuff. You know, I have to say about Jeff and, and Deb, <laughs> when they came to our community, you know, they came and they, they've been consistently this way, real. 
<laughs> it is like, I love it. I absolutely love it. Like no pretension, just here we are, here we are. And um, that truth has been just coming forth with, this is who I am. And, uh, and yet like that willingness to grow, that willingness to be challenged, that willingness to continue moving forward, no matter what the challenges. And you've had some significant challenges and you've been through a lot. And both of you continue to demonstrate faith at its best, which is you still put one foot in front of the other. Even when you fall down, you, you get back up. You get back up. I love that about both of you. Glenn is grandpa to every kid he meets. <laughs> yep. Glenn is the grandfather that I think every kid like knows how to tease them and get them riled up. And, you know, it's like, yeah, that's the fun. That's the fun grandpa. That's the one you want to go, go hang out with. <clears throat> hmm. Don of God's love. Yeah. Oh man. Yes. We could go on about Donna. Donna's always been like behind the scenes doing some phenomenal things for people. It's, it's uh, incredible. Never ending compassion and love of Jesus. Hmm. Love that. Yeah. Dave uh, Perry, your story has been so impactful. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, you're a, you're an example uh, uh, of transformation. Um, Huge story. I'm so glad we get to see you here with us, even though you're, oh, there's your face. There you are. Um, it's a, it is, a, is, is con continues to be a reminder of the grace of God in your life, the gift of God in your life. Um, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal, right? Like your story is incredible of God doing some in through you and and here you are, out of prison, with us. And that is uh, such a gift. This is the, you guys, I love Vine 39. You guys are the best. Like, look, look at this chat feed. It's eternally long. And, uh, and we are going to save this. This is faith right here. Faith, hope, and love. Mm. So good. Patty Beatty's laugh. <laughs> That's fantastic. That laugh is uh, contagious. <laughs> mm. I love it, Kat. Uh, what you just wrote, you can really feel the love in the chat room. You know, this is what's amazing, even through technology like the same room but we're feeling the love that's coming from each other yeah gabe's deep wisdom mm. yep for sure wow well jim take us away my friend and uh Folks, just keep typing away while 
best sort of worship is music that we're being inspired by and an exchange of love happening at the same time. So keep it rolling. <laughs>